Welcome back to the Cock and Bull Podcast. This is a history thing where Nathan and I kind of go through the lesser-known freaks, <laughs> bastard men, and tragic deaths of monarchs. The B-sides um, of history's weirdos. Exactly, exactly. What the public education system in the U.S. of A. will not tell you. But we have a guest this week, Nathan. Neither of us is telling a story today. No, it's a good life, and we both get to fuck off and not work. It's 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 American <laughs> uh, idealism. Brittany, returning after John Cade's guinea pig piss pinatas, <laughs> uh, welcome back to the show. I'm I'm led to believe that you have a new story for us. I do have a new story for you. Bring a little bit of you know that estrogen back to the show. Happy to be here again. Yes, we've been desperately lacking it. Yeah, because the fans we are so the, the, the energy we give off is so masculine, so laden <laughs> with that testosterone that we really needed that keep, balancing force. You're right. You're I right. keep getting ad requests to run nugenics on this show. I, it's I keep just um, nothing but nothing but dick pills, and that says nothing about our audience. <laughs> The cross-pollination between Joe Rogan's show and the cock and bull is, um, I think we need, we need to finally take some steps to separate ourselves from that hyper-masculine market. Has Joe Rogan ever been a cited source on the dollop? I don't think so. <laughs> Damn right. I think his name has been said more than ours. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> to start us off today, either of you two, can you tell me the significance of the number 24601? I'm going to give Nate a chance. It's not the numbers from Lost and those are the only numbers I remembered. It's the only as Jean Valjean's prisoner number from Les Mis. Spencer, that is so right. Because on June 24th, 1801, Victor Marie Hugo was conceived on one of the highest peaks in the Vosges Mountains. Wait, wait, wait hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because, Brittany, you listed a very specific date, and then I think, and it may be the Yangling talking, but I'm pretty sure you said the word conceived. Oh, yeah. So not what you born. told me is not that this man that Victor Hugo was born. What you said is on this day Victor Hugo's parents fucked on top of a mountain and conceived this mastermind of an author. Is that is that what I'm like? Oh to yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. 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 All right. And fun fact, today in the precise location of Hugo's conception is now marked with a stone tablet that reads in this place on no. five Floriel, no. year nine, Victor Hugo was conceived. No, no, no one, no one is that specific about where they have fucked. Nobody is. That's so nasty. No one is that. <laughs> no one is that particular about it. What if it's gross, not like it was a special the- day? It's unless it's like this was our anniversary, our fuck anniversary, where we said we're going to conceive a ch- I just hey, you don't hey. nail it down that tight. You don't. Baby, I got a surprise present for you. That's right. I immortalized the spot that we raw dogged it. <laughs> That's it, right. It wasn't even his family that immortalized it. It was some guy who just had a view to the spot where they boned. Who's like, you know what? I'm going to immortalize this. This deserves to be remembered. How did They're that swim guy fan, know? The stalker. How did that guy know? <laughs> it's the mountain keeper. That's the fire watch guy. Oh, He's got tablets like that. All over that fucking mountain. Just a bunch of trail cams of turn of the century author parents getting it down on a mountain. Victor's father would later, quote, the elevated origin seems to have had effects on you so that your muse is now continually sublime. I, that's, stop it. Shut the fuck up. God, disturbing. That's, that's things, those are things cult leaders say to their children. Since you what were closer fuck? to God when I fucked your mom, that means you're like a little <laughs> neat, little astral plane boy, right? Aren't you glad we're having this talk? Anyway, all right, you're six years old. 
director would later go on to use that conception date as the prisoner number for the character Jean Valjean in his work Les Miserables. And his I, iPhone lock screen code. And his iPhone lock screen code. <laughs> this is well known. And his lottery number. <laughs> and how many times he had to turn the lights on and off before he could go to sleep. <laughs> Victor Hugo now, now has Mark Summers disease. And the number of books he would write before he died, I think. I didn't consider Victor Hugo prolific. I, I I can barely name anything he wrote. So like, keep at it. I can think of two. He did Hunchback and he did uh, uh, Les Mis. Right? That's two, Spencer. Can you yeah, go you higher go. than two? <laughs> well, the others weren't winners. I mean, <laughs> before I proceed, I'm going to put a little footnote here that my French pronunciation is terrible. Uh, so feel free to make fun of me, especially you, Spencer, since I know you studied French. I was given the opportunity to coach her on pronunciation, and I told her this show doesn't work that way. I've also uh, listened to him pronounce French names, Britt, and if he gives you shit for it, I will come da- I will come there and correct it. How dare you, sir? I welcome the shit. It's going to get real bad today. But if I bring it up, then no one can really make fun of me. But exactly, nine months later, yeah. Victor Hugo would be vor- born on February 26, 1802, in Besançon in eastern France to Joseph Leopold Sigisbert Hugo, a general at the Napoleonic army, Uh-oh. and Sophie Chebouche. He was the youngest of three siblings. Joseph, okay. his dad, was real into loyalty to successive governments. Hang while on, pause, his, pause. Wait, 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 yeah. wait, 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 wait. He's, he's the youngest of three siblings. Yeah. So they had time to go have like a like a honey like a fuck honeymoon in the mountains with two children? <laughs> yeah. You, I'm sorry, after... Kid number one, you are not having exotic vacations to conceive children after that. It's over. <laughs> you're not having you're not having destination fuck conceptions. You're not you're done after that. You do it maybe for the first one, but after that, no. I don't believe no, bullshit. <laughs> destination fuck conception would be a great like metal band name. <laughs> I think it's a Steely Dan album already. It probably is at this point. But Joseph, Victor's dad, was real into loyalty to successive governments, while his wife was into royalism. Their ideologies clashed, and Victor's childhood was covered by political debates and incompatibility at the dinner table. But also, they would stop to remind him where he was conceived. Yeah, as any good parent does. <laughs> we hate each other, but we love fucking on the Alps. God damn it. <laughs> With his father serving in the military and also often cheating on his wife, a young Victor traveled frequently and eventually ended up in Paris. He's, he's got loyalty to government and not his wife. Yeah. He had to pick one thing that he, that he really cared about. In 1808, the family moved into an old convent beside the Seine River. Hiding in a chapel at the back of the garden hey, hold, was... Hold on, hold on. Wait, hang hold on. on. squatting? No. Hey, hang on, hang on. Also, are we talking about the Seine? Are we talking about the River Seine? Yes, sir. Okay, okay, just checking. <laughs> Score one for Nathan. This will be a competition. I will not correct it. I will continue to pronounce it Cyan. No, you no, you do what you need to do because you pronounce we'll his mom's that. name that is Trebuchet as something that's not Trebuchet. <laughs> so I'm just I'm I'm along for the ride at this point. <laughs> and did you say they were hiding? That you said they moved into a convent, and then I heard hiding in the next sentence. Are they? Did they uh, move I, in or I, did they I, squat? You don't move into a convent with your family. If you're there, you're hiding. We're back to the parasite example. Hiding in a chapel at the back of the garden was Victor Fanu de la Hori, who had res- 
conspired to restore the Bourbons and had been condemned to death a few years earlier. Um, he would become a mentor to Victor and his brothers and was also his mom's secret lover. So they did very much kind of have like a convict hiding away at the uh, convent. So they had a we, they had a we don't talk about Bruno hiding in the walls, but the Bruno was secretly trying to restore the Bourbon dynasty. Yeah. Okay. And also, he's still got it. He's like unwashed, oh, no, hiding in the fucking it. attic, and he's got he's it. He's kind of got it. The fall of the empire from 1815 to 1818 would give young Victor some breathing room to study. He would study at the Pension Courtier in the Lycée Lou-le-Grand, after which he graduated from the law faculty at Paris. However, Victor was reportedly a terrible student. His collegiate life would inspire the character Marius Pontmercy in his novel Les Miserables. In other words, he was a real Eddie Redmayne of a student. Oh, man, I love... God, where did he go? Where 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 has he been lately? I feel like we had the peak Eddie years in the late 2010s, and I haven't seen him much. I feel like that's a that's everybody that touched Harry Potter in the 2010s is doomed to that fate. <laughs> they 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 made a monkey paw curse, and it's it's come back to roost. Victor would then dedicate his time and energy into things that weren't the law. He filled notebook after notebook with plays and poems and translations. Oh my God, Nate, he's cock and bowling. He's no, he's he just needs to become a doctor. He's cock and bowling. He even went on to find a review in 1819 that would last a whopping three years. The Conservatoire Littois. No, you're crushing it, Britt. You got this. Way to go, baby. You got this. Keep going, man. It's all romantic languages. We're all the same. You got this. You know it intuitively. In 1817, he wrote a poem for a competition organized by the Académie Francoise, for which he received an honorable mention in the Academicians, which I learned today's word, Refused to believe that he was only 15 years old upon writing it. Oh, oh he's like no. a Doogie Hauser. Love he's, that. I, a real Doogie Hauser. The problem, I love how you both went to Doogie Hauser and I was going to Ben Shapiro. You're such more pure soul than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I've always said Doogie Hauser's a real Ben Shapiro and vice versa. That's why, no, it's no problem. This. It should be a Doogie, but instead it's a instead you know it should be a Mozart. Instead, I just think you know, boy prodigy. It's like Sam Bankman Fried and Ben Shapiro. You've been ruined <laughs> by the internet. <laughs> so he's so he's like a he's a, a whiz kid. Oh, at, yeah. at poetry and writing and all that. It's the uh, good mountain air that was around at his conception. Yeah, no, definitely, <laughs> it's definitely still that. You know, he attributes everything good to that. <laughs> Victor fell in love and secretly became engaged, against his mother wishes, to his chattel- childhood friend, Adelaide Faucher, Foucher. In June 1821, Victor's mom would die, and Victor married Adele, and his father married his longtime mistress, Catherine Thomas, a month later. So it really okay. sounds like well, everyone got what they wanted when, when Mrs. Trebuchet died. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> she was holding everybody back is what it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> And despite having looked about 80 years old his entire life, Hugo was a real horn dog. Okay. Right. Victor gave free reign to his sensuality until a few weeks before his death at the age of 83. Spoiler. That's, that's the, too. I, look, I. Mm, no. Mm, the, the, man been a with his, uh, the man obsessed with his conception spot was a horn dog, you're saying? Interesting. <laughs> The man who likely went back and put a tablet down where he was conceived on his own accord. The man who invented slash fiction, but for his own parents, and it's weird on a lot of levels. (laughs) (laughs) 
He sought a wide variety of women of all ages. Oh, he's diverse. He's very diverse. <laughs> Good. So you got to give that to him. Love that. Real rainbow coalition. You know, he's hitting up the court- courtesans, the actresses, the prostitutes, admirers, servants, revolutionaries. Did not discriminate. Also, fun for all ages is not what I want to hear before the list of people he's fucking. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I want there to be, there, there needs to be a discernible filter on who, who and what you will fuck, or I don't know how to gauge. There's a lower limit. There has to be a lower limit, There's and God, I don't want to hear I, what I need to have guardrails. There needs to be bumpers here. Well, don't worry. In his 70s, he did have sex with a 20-year-old, so. That feels that, like. Uh, that, no, the don't need to worry is, about it. The problem is that just feels like what Robert De Niro is probably doing right now. <laughs> Are we sure Victor Hugo wasn't the oldest man to conceive a child? Nah, that's what I'm like, uh, Al Pacino had a kid last year, and I thought Al Pacino was dead. Like, I don't know anymore. <laughs> Also, we didn't know that washing is. hands prevented disease. Did we know that pulling out prevented pregnancy? Is that a thing? Like, or, or is he like the Genghis Khan of Paris? Like, he's just left his mark in the faces of every Parisian. Oh, we'll get to that. This is the reason oh, that Benjamin no. Franklin doesn't have 400 illegitimate children running around the continent. <laughs> There's, well, that's because he was chugging like mercury poison or something. That guy's balls did not work by the end of his life. The syphilis and the mercury were fighting to kill his sperm at the same time. It was rumored that Hugo had sex with more than 200 women in a period of less than two years. Rumored by him or the boy? <laughs> like, is that just how he introduced himself? What's your body count, dude? How You swiping? Who's swiping? Victor, I know you're swiping. <laughs> well, he had boasted having sex with his wife nine times on their wedding night. That poor woman. Jesus Christ. That, uh, no, honestly, wife guy Jean, wife guy Victor Hugo, I'm into. It's all the cheating on his wife that I'm not down with. <laughs> the couple would have five children together. Hugo would later write erotic letters to his son's lover, and they what? later banged. Why? No. What? Stop. Oh, my God, no. 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 <laughs> Ouch. Oh, no. Uncomfortable. My son is eight years old, and he has a best friend, and the concept that I'm writing erotic letters to that person, I don't enjoy it. Upsetting. In a lot of different ways. But wasn't all sex for Hugo. In 1823, he published his first novel, Hans of Iceland. Yeah, the sex and novels. Sex <laughs> and novels. I think it summarizes his life Multifaceted well. man. He posted his first novel, The Dude from Frozen? Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Same name. This novel drew much acclaim, and he was welcomed to the circles of devotees of romanticism. Until 1830, he would go on to write several stories, poems, and plays that highlighted romanticism. In circa 1830, Charles X started bringing the band hammer down on Hugo. The king would put restrictions on the press, as well as outright prohibit the stage performance of his play, Marion de Lorme, which portrays the character Louis XIII, unfavorably. Oh, they're trying to silence the little man. Uh-oh. And that's the thing, Louis the Thir- if I remember correctly, Louis the 13th sucked. Louis the 14th was cool, and like I think Louis the 12th might have been cool, but I, I do believe 13th sucked. Which was the one that got their head chopped off? Uh, oh, that's Marie Antoinette. That, no, no yeah, thank yeah, you. <laughs> that was a Louis, I think that was Louis the 16th, wasn't it? 15th uh, or 16th. Sounds right. That sounds yeah, right. Yeah, I think it was 15th or 16th. But this band hammer would then push Hugo towards liberalism. Fairly woke dude for his time, his political life was characterized by speaking against the death penalty and poverty, 
while calling for freedom of the press, universal suffrage, and free education for children. I, I'm against the death penalty now purely because it's so, we have so many cases that are wrong, where like anecdotal evidence is remembered, or the, the fucking DNA evidence is wrong or something. Uh, I can't fucking imagine... <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine it's the same line of reasoning back in the, well, you, in the, you what, think the French, No, you're saying the French purges during the terror weren't well-methodically researched cases? Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> when all the evidence you needed was, I don't like him. <laughs> that motherfucker looked at me wrong yesterday. Okay, all right, all right. So he's so he's, he's a bit of a lefty, all right? Yeah, uh, bit of a lefty, but uh, on the downside. Come on, he's on our team, Nate. We got him. Fuck you, no, he's This is not. our mascot. One of the downsides, however, it was that he was still pretty into the whole colonialism thing during this time. See? Okay. Okay. Yes, a little more liberal then. Be cautious. <laughs> Though in his later years, he would speak out against the United States and slavery. Hell yeah. We'll get there eventually. Dunk on him. And while his early poems would earn him some acclaim, it was the publication of The Hunchback of Notre Dame in 1831 that really touched the masses. People resonated with the titular hunchback in his struggles living in medieval Paris. One of the effects of the novel was to shame the city of Paris into restoring the much-neglected cathedral of Notre Dame. I love the idea that I fucking love the idea that the average Parisian was like, I too feel like a man who lives in an attic, <laughs> oppressed by a preacher. I I don't appreciate not being able to eat, and I would really like it if they spent a lot of money making the church look nicer. You go. Side piece, speaking of his novels, would attempt to combat writer's block by asking his servants to take his clothing and leave him in a room, nude and without distraction. What? But no, no, mm -hmm. no, no. We're it's not doing kink. hot yoga. We're not doing hot yoga, but for writer's block right now. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> is, is he? Is he like autistic? Does he have like an issue with like the sensory of like having clothes on? Is, I need to be in my deprivation tank. <laughs> Leave his, me with my tablet. We're back to Joe Rogan his, again. <laughs> his clothing would only be returned to him if he did finish his writing for the day. So it's kind of like a hiding your iPhone kind what, of thing. Uh, for, except really? it's your uh, Re shirt I, and I pants. I tell Siri not to let me talk to my like fun time apps until I'm done working. He just had a bunch of slaves and he was like, don't let me out of here until I've written four <laughs> pages. I can't Call have Call me a pants. very bad boy for every chapter I don't write. <laughs> but in his defense... If it was very cold, he'd allow himself a blanket. Well, oh, at least he's nice to him. Wait, he's putting these rules on himself. <laughs> I was about to say, he's making all of these rules. In her memoirs, Hugo's wife wrote that while riding the Hunchback of Notre Dame, the author purchased, quote, a huge gray knitted shawl, which swathes him from head to foot, locked his formal clothes away so that he would not be tempted to go out, and entered his novel as if it were a prison. She was very sad. No, no. This man, no, he's depressed. He's depressed. He got a Snuggie and he went in and did a winter. He No, he went and wrote some fanfic during the winter in his Snuggie, in his, we was listening to MCR. I, we've all fucking been there, Victor. I get it. My dearest wife, I do not know how much longer I can last in this, in this sentence. My guards are cruel. They've taken my clothes. P.S. P.S. Please don't give them back to me. I've given myself a hunch to see what my character lives like. <laughs> In the coming years, Hugo would pump out books and plays like Stephen King on a cocaine binge. So a Stephen King in the 80s? Yeah. Remember when Stephen King would have his clothes locked away? And 
You'd have to trade articles in for more coke. He was very sad. He was very, I love, he was very sad. I just told you he was depressed for fuck's sake. I know he's sad. He wore a Snuggie and won't leave the house. I get it. <laughs> well, he'd leave it to go bang. Not a total hermit. <laughs> that, again, that's a depressed man. 200 women, two years. Jesus Christ. That is a man that That's... needs serotonin badly, and they don't have Zoloft yet. He's doing his best. But there were two motives for his excessive writing. First, he needed a platform for his political and social ideas, which were many. Second, he wanted to write parts for the actress Juliet Druetch, whom he'd started having an affair with in 1833. Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay. God damn it. Ju- Juliet, who the article described as having little talent would later announce the stage and dedicate herself to being Hugo's side piece. That's a full-time job, is just being the side piece? For that man and his insatiable sex lust, uh, absolutely. A man who's too ho- whose body count is in the triple digits? No, yeah. Side piece is a full-time gig. I guess so, yeah. I know you spend, you spend uh, assumedly four days a week fucking, and then the other three, you've got to do, I don't know, some kind of Kegel regiment. <laughs> <laughs> no, the other three are where you put the Snuggie on and you go sit in your beanbag chair and recover. <laughs> you have some me time, okay? But back to Hugo's sex life. He wrote of his sexual exploits in his diary. He systematically reported his casual affairs using his own secret code to make sure they would remain secret despite his diary later being published. So, to be clear, who's he keeping this secret from, the masses, or, like, I'm assuming his wife? Everyone. Okay, so he's got a fuck journal, and he thinks that that needs any uh, additional layer of secrecy, or... So he's written Victor Hugo in erotic life and then put a a secret code behind it so that no one can find out what he's into? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) For example, he resorted to Latin abbreviations, for example... OSC for kisses, or to Spanish, mismas cosas, for the same things. Why? Why? No, he's just assuming that whoever reads doesn't read. That is such like a targeted thing because he's like, I'm going to abbreviate it into this other thing that only I know. It's Latin. It's like the most other, it's like the only language that anyone, everyone knew back then at that point. Like it was the one thing. It's that, you're not hiding it. You just know. That's like, I know my wife doesn't know Latin. It's like, I'm writing in Latin, fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> that is targeted. That's not to avoid anyone. That is targeted specifically. It does get better than abbreviations, though, and that he also often used homophones. For example, signs or breasts becoming saint, poel, stove, referring to puils, pubic hair. No. Um, how, is, how often are you how, writing about pubes? What how, kind do you work that? how do you word that in writing? a sentence? Use it in a sentence. No. Country of origin, use it in a sentence. Do it. Go. <laughs> Exactly, you can't. Yeah, do you have any excerpts, any quotes? Uh, no quotes directly from it, unfortunately. Uh, uh, coward! Cowards! Analogy also enabled him to conceal the real meaning of things. A woman's suisses, Swiss, are her breasts because Switzerland is renowned for its milk. No, it's not! It's renowned for its banking, its mountains, and the sound of music, and bank, and, and shenanigans. It's not known for its milk. <laughs> Lies! <laughs> <laughs> if he added TN to eat nue, he meant she stripped naked in front of him. I'm sure these have better impact if I can actually pronounce the French. Does that? No, it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. You know, I didn't. <laughs> you know, I didn't learn this in French. Does that mean like totally nude or something? 
I can't. I'm just so confused by this Pokedex play-by-play he's got of all of his fucking counters. Uh, <laughs> it's so it, he's the Dennis Reynolds of, like, l- European <laughs> literature in the 1600s, and I don't like it. Hugo was described as an erotomaniac, meaning that he often held on to delusions that people wanted a piece of his old wrinkly ass. Oh, yeah, this track. He's just right. Dennis Reynolds! <laughs> yeah, this is all adding up. Nate's right. But sex life aside... Hugo's literary achievements were then recognized in 1841 by his election, after three unsuccessful attempts, to the French Academy, and by his nomination in 1845 to the Chamber of Peers. Uh, the the Chamber of Friends? What does that mean? What is that? <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> you, know, you know exactly what it is. Don't you worry about it. Secret society shit. For much of his life, Hugo reportedly hosted around 30 guests for dinner every night. His party trick was to shove an entire orange in his mouth and then fill his cheeks with as many sugar cubes as possible. That, no, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Yeah. No, he was having 30 different people over every night, or is there at least 15 at every dinner they are like, Jesus, Victor, again? <laughs> he then turn it all up in his mouth and glug it down with two classes of Kirsch before swallowing the lot. And then he'd fuck half the people in attendance. Well, it's funny you mentioned that, Spencer, because he oh. wouldn't do that. But he did install peepholes into guest bedrooms so he could gaze upon the activities no. of his friends. Oh my god, no. What is wrong with this man? What the fuck is wrong with It's not enough that he's fucking everybody. He has to watch everybody else fuck. You know, yeah, my greatest regret in life is I couldn't watch my own conception. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that could slow Hugo's literary role was the death of his daughter, who had drowned with her husband in 1843. He would find an outlet for his grief in beginning to pen the 655,000-word monstrosity, Les Miserables. <laughs> that's, um, that's, um, I mean, some guys go to therapy, some guys write Les Mis. <laughs> <laughs> when negotiating payment for, with his publisher for Les Miserables, Hugo famously declared that he wanted to be paid more than anyone else had ever been paid to write a book. Biographer David Bellos claims that the 300,000 francs... Around $4 billion today. No. What? Hugo received still remains the highest figure ever paid for a work of literature. There, who paid that? Brittany, who paid him $4 billion? Now, here's, the, here's, the, pro- here's the problem. All That's you Victor need Hugo. Is, if Twitter has proven anything, all you need is one, baby. Ach- Did the government subsidize this? Is this why we had a revolution? Like, uh, d- Did the government subsidize Elon buying Twitter? But luckily for his publisher, the investment did pay off. Les Miserables was so hotly anticipated that Parisian workers queued up at bookshops with wheelbarrows to fill with newly purchased copies to later sell to colleagues for profit. We've never changed. Scalp Scalpers have always been a... Wow. Amazing. In 1851, a coup d'etat took place, which eventually resulted in the Second Empire under Napoleon III. Hugo made one attempt at resistance and then fled to Brussels. What what does that mean? I'll let you fill the gaps there. Victor stood valiantly in front of the Bastille. Said no, no. <laughs> Tried to fuck Napoleon into submission. Didn't work. Didn't work. His exile would last until 1870 and the reconstitution of the Republic. He had been granted amnesty in 1859 but voluntarily remained exiled because he didn't want to stop shit-talking the government. Les Mis would then go on to be published in 1862. 
Its extraordinary success with readers of every type brought him instant popularity in his own country, and its speedy translation into many languages won him fame abroad. As a side note, I once desperately tried to read Les Mis, and I got about 200 pages into the brick before I just got so tired of him writing, you know, four pages describing streets or like 12 pages describing every historical fun fact. So I stopped reading it, but I tried. No, 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 it's there. Guy really wanted to write an encyclopedia, but he had to shoehorn a narrative into it. (laughs) It was in Paris during the siege by the Prussian army in 1870, in which he famously ate animals given to him by the Paris Sioux. I think Terrer was doing the same thing around this time. Kindred spirits. And as the siege continued and food became even more scarce, he wrote in his diary, somewhere amongst him recording his couplings and his erotic adventures, that he was reduced reduced to eating the unknown. <laughs> Fill in the blanks. I'm, <laughs> dear diary, I'm having to subsist on rations of pussy this week. <laughs> I just can't. I don't know how much longer I can last. The defeat of France in the Franco-German War and the proclamation of the Third Republic in 1871 brought Hugo back to Paris. And when he returned, the country held him as a national hero. He was confident that he would be offered the dictatorship, as shown by the notes he kept at the time. Quote, Dictatorship is a crime. This is a crime I'm going to commit. But he felt he had to resume that responsibility. That, hmm. Hmm. How did that work out for Victor? I don't seem to remember the reign of Victor Hugo. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, that was, it's a small footnote, but it's there. And after the deaths of his wife and two sons in the span of five years, Understandably, Hugo didn't have a lot of juice to continue doing much writing. In 1878, Hugo was stricken by cerebral congestion. There are 83, fun fact, instances of lovemaking recorded in his diary during a period of four months just before he died at the age of 83 in 1885. Nothing can keep this guy down. He's going to get one of those humors out one way or another. Not even cerebral congestion can keep this guy down. Does that mean that, like, his brain was, like, gunked up? (laughs) Cerebral congestion? And although he had requested a pauper's funeral, by decree of President Jules... Gravy? Gravy? He was awarded a state funeral. Yeah, Jules Gravy. No, you got it. Yeah, Jules Gravy. (laughs) Jules Gravy. (laughs) Everyone's heard of Jules Gravy. He was instead awarded a state funeral an event described by Nietzsche as a veritable orgy of bad taste. Interesting that a would-be dictator gets a state funeral. (laughs) He would later be buried in the Pantheon. When Hugo died, the brothels of Paris reportedly closed down for a day of mourning. (laughs) This allowed all of the city's sex workers to pay their last respects to a very loyal client. <laughs> Good God. They're all wearing little little black veils over their crotch. <laughs> Spencer, it's funny you say that. No, shut the fuck up. Because no. literary critic Edmond de Goncourt what? claimed a police officer told him that sex workers even drape their genitals in black crepe as a <laughs> mark of respect. <laughs> <laughs> My pussy's mourning, yes. No, I... <laughs> Yeah, we're going. We're we're each going through it right now. It's yeah. <laughs> My God. <laughs> and that 
Gents is the story of Victor Hugo, a man who worked as hard as he played and would go on to become national treasure of Paris. Oh my god. I <laughs> I don't think there is a bigger Playboy author. If if I if I like gun to my head couldn't pick a bigger one. What the hell? Well, this has been uh, the Cock and Bull Podcast. It is a weekly history thing. Uh, we want to thank Driftless Pony Club for allowing us to use their song There Were a Buffalo on the Ark off the album Cholera. Um, rate and review us on iTunes. Five stars, if you so please. It does really help us out. Um, and we are coming up on episode 100 next week. Uh, we got a good one planned out for that. It's been a, it's been a long road. It'll also mark next week will be our, I believe, our sixth anniversary as a show um and only the second year that we've been actively continually publishing things i think but <laughs> we took a gap we took a college gap year like you do you know we all we all want to have our time to explore ourselves and uh we just sort of did that over uh, three years i don't know what the fuck it's your, that's my just your old problem not mine thank you Brittany, for bringing a, a beautiful guest episode to the table my pleasure and we'll see you guys next week <laughs>